Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. again my same feathered friend i hope you are doing well and i hope you are learning some really valuable information from the show so far it's episode 12 already at the time of me recording this intro i am enjoying the peace and beauty of the new hampshire countryside i've been canoeing catching bass and perch and i've even gotten a little scouting time in for a potential hunt here in the future The other day I saw a couple of hen turkeys and about 10 poults cross the road in front of me and I'm still holding out hope for a moose sighting. Speaking of sighting, have you checked out the First Gen Hunter YouTube channel yet? The latest First Gen Hunter in the field vlog episode is up and it covers my efforts to sight in my muzzleloader and slug gun. But that's the vlog, and this is the podcast. And episode 12 of the First Gen Hunter podcast is a good addition of variety to the show as Brandon and I discuss hunting small game species. It's true, they are often overlooked and undervalued, but their seasons are such an important component to developing into a well-rounded hunter and having a better understanding of the ecosystems in which we hunt. Now, feel free to put on your coonskin cap and start cleaning your grandpa's old 410 shotgun as you listen in to episode 12 of the First Gen Hunter podcast, Forgotten Game. Welcome back, and welcome back to your favorite host, Mr. Brandon Martin from The Hunt Fish Life. How are you, Brandon? Uh, Doing so well. We are getting closer every day to hunting season and uh, looking forward to that. And actually, actually, today we had like, you know, high 60s um which you know this time of the year to have that type of that type of temp it's like whoo man you feel like getting out and hanging some stands and unfortunately i had to work but i was daydreaming (laughs) about being able to be be out hanging some stands and you know it's it's, you weren't really even the mood to to fish on a day like this had like a nice northeast wind at like 15 miles an hour high 60s i mean it was just like a it would have been a dream of a day to be out there doing a little scouting so definitely looking forward to kicking things off here shortly and enjoying this little bit of weather that we have right now i echo that 100 percent have you ever seen that bumper sticker I'm sure you have. It's pretty, I think it's a pretty popular bumper sticker. It's like, I'll have some like giant Euro amount of some, you know, like double drop tine, uh, you know, monster uh, buck. And it'll be like born to hunt 
forced to work. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, the, when, the more that you, that you're busy with life and whatnot, the blessing is it makes you appreciate those times that you have, but you for know, for sure. those of us who love it so much, it's never quite enough. And so, but it's a good thing because you're trying to balance everything. And you know, when you, when you have it balanced, right, you fully enjoy it. When you misbalance it, you actually end up, you know, looking at it and you're like, you know what, I'm not enjoying it as much because you know, you're misbalanced. So everything in balance, but it's a blessing to be able to, to, you know, enjoy chatting about it and learning more and growing. So definitely excited about this episode and learning more and growing together. For sure. Yeah. We'd get spoiled if we were able to hunt as much as we wanted to We get that. <laughs> we get that syndrome that our kids get, you know, when you like get them this sweet toy for their birthday or whatever, yes. they play with it for like a half an hour and then they're back to like, Hey dad, I'm going to, while you're uh, not watching me, you're going to go play with your utility knife and your uh, <laughs> chop saw. You know, it's like, right, right, can't yeah. you just play with the toys that I get you, you know? <laughs> well, that's, so we, that's, what, that's why, you know, when kids are old enough, you get them a BB gun and then, <laughs> you know, then they play with it. I mean, I remember when my brother and I got a BB gun and I mean, it was like, I mean, that was, that was like the quintessential gift. You know, we got the Red Rider BB guns when we were, I mean, nice. I was probably... I was probably nine, eight or nine. Okay. He was six, seven. And I mean, we, I mean, we, we played with those things almost endlessly for years, you know, just shooting birds out in the backyard, you know, just having a good old time with it. I mean, mm -hmm. I was, I was the one who didn't have the, the, the steady arm and the, you know, steady eye. My brother, he did. And I mean, he was shooting, he was shooting, no joke. He was shooting like Tweety birds at, I mean, I kid you not. He shot some Tweety birds at like 50 yards. <laughs> With, a, with an old red, like the old time, you know, iron sight, red rider. I mean, he had some crazy shots with those things. And meanwhile, me, I'm like, man, I got to be point blank to get anything, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, that, that so those is... are some good memories. I mean, just watching him, he was just a sniper with that thing, you know? Well, it translates to later in life, I think, you know, there's, yes. there's those times when, uh, especially if you're ever hunting with iron sights mm -hmm. where you just, it's almost like automatic because you've, you've used your BB gun so much growing up that, yes. that you just learn some of those, 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 I don't know if I should call them instinctive mm -hmm. shooting mm -hmm. skills, but maybe a yep. little bit that, you know, yep. um, but sure. basically you can just pull the gun up and mm -hmm. make it happen when you need to. So yep, yep. that I, comfort level handling handling a weapon you know it's kind of interesting to be able to learn that from your early age yeah yeah you know what that's a good way to start this episode out um i, I kind of had other plans here so our listeners are are hearing a live audible right now you know so if i was uh peyton manning 2k <laughs> yeah was the last time he played like 15 so yeah that was yeah. a very good year that year but we'll say peyton manning 2k uh 13 here mm -hmm, i'd be yelling mm -hmm. omaha omaha right now yep, yep. and oh, uh, yeah. mm -hmm. we'd be we'd be dialing up this one so let's let's do this today to, to get things rolling mm -hmm. most amazing we'll, we'll each mm -hmm. do two mm -hmm. most amazing bb gun moments that are mm -hmm legal and won't get our parents to uh, disown us if they ever tune into this <laughs> podcast right so yep good it's good <laughs> so, so most amazing bb gun moments from our childhood mm -hmm. 
I'll go first with one. Yeah. And then we'll alternate, okay? So that okay, gives you yeah. a little bit of time because you didn't know this was coming. But Yep, yep, sure. So most most amazing moment number one for me with BB guns mm-hmm. happened with my middle brother, Luke. And okay. he, everyone's met my brother, Jake. He was the one that has gone deer hunting with me and, and killed mm-hmm. a doe. And if you haven't listened into that episode yet, I think that was episode six. So you can go back and and uh, dig that one up and, and mm-hmm. get to know Jake that way. Jake's my youngest brother. Luke, my middle brother, he is a doctor in the Army. Uh, he is an internal medicine physician. Wow. And he is definitely the brains of the family (laughs) and definitely not the outdoorsman of the family. (laughs) (laughs) So like he hates fishing. Um, Mm -hmm. He had this penchant for any time we would like go on some, we'd go on like backpacking trips to Montana and Mm. canoeing trips up near the boundary waters. And somehow, some way he would always fall into the water. I mean, it was is uncanny, and some of the funniest mm-hmm. moments of my childhood are around that. But that's not what we're talking about right now. <laughs> Sorry, Luke, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, but the most, this might be the most amazing thing I've ever seen done with a BB gun. We would chase okay. sparrows around my grandparents' farm, you know, and and um, uh, when they had hogs, they they didn't want them in the barns. I can't remember the exact reasoning. Um, uh, but they didn't want so many nesting in the barns with the hogs, uh, which mm-hmm. that was, that was a, I mean, we were never going to accomplish that task with a BB gun, but, and and so, you know, they would, I think it was just basically, you know, they didn't want us shooting any kind of songbird or anything like that. And so yeah. we, we could chase the, the sparrows around. And I remember we, we saw this sparrow fly into this big walnut tree. This was in the summertime. You know, this thing was fully okay. leafed out. You couldn't see where it went. Mm-hmm. And Luke, I still don't know how this happened. <laughs> he just, like, took the BB gun and shot blindly into the tree. He had no visual on this bird. So we're talking Are you serious? one BB. Wow. Knocks that bird out of the tree. Oh my goodness. <laughs> was, That's crazy. It was like a one in a billion chances. You know, I'm pretty sure the bird actually said that on his way to, yeah. to the ground. What are the odds? You know, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, man. You that know, so, is crazy. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah, that was, that was amazing moment. Number one for me. What do you got? Um, well, so I, I was mentioning my brother kind of being a dead eye. So, you know, I remember specifically one time, um, you know, growing up, we were, you know, our, we really didn't have very many. We had like two neighbors, you know, surrounded by farmland and we were always out, you know, out back hunting, you know, rabbit hunting, you know, bird hunting, doing something. And, um, I was probably, I was probably around 11 or so. And so he would have been like nine and, um, there was in the neighbor's yard, it was so funny. We would shoot birds in like the neighbor's yard. We had like one neighbor right next to us and, uh, they were, you know, kind of like mom on pop up, you know, they weren't truly mm-hmm. our, our grandfather and grandmother, but you know, they, sure. we were super close to them, right. always in their yard playing and everything. And, uh, they had a tree in the backyard. It was just a small tree. 
And my brother, you know, he, I, I'm talking, I mean, legitimate, legitimately 50 yards out. And he was like on his belly, you know, he had basically just kind of propped himself up. He was in, you know, shooting stance on his, on his stomach. I had a perfect view. I was actually on top of the garage and I was watching it. I mean, he was just zoned in on this. There's this little blackbird that was over in this tree. I mean, we're talking, we're talking legit. I mean, 150 feet away and he just sniped that thing. Open sights, just <laughs> knocked that thing out of the tree. And I mean, it was, and he did that type of stuff regularly. I mean, he was, it's just really, really good with having that super. And it, it, it's interesting how you just mentioned, you know, how some of that stuff translates and I can see how like it translated for me with me kind of being one that, you know, I loved it. I love the, 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 you know, the spontaneity of a bird hunt in terms of whipping the gun up. And whereas my brother, he's still to this day has a really steady arm and, and really steady eye for like those long distance shots. And so, I mean, it was just like, it was like, what? I couldn't even believe yeah. just watching that thing fall out of a tree at 50 yards with yeah, open that's... sights with a BB gun. And I mean, anyone who shot a BB gun knows you know, you're shooting a BB gun open sight. I mean, it doesn't always shoot the same. I mean, right. sometimes that BB kind of rolls off to the right. It's like it's like hitting a golf ball. You know, sometimes you get a yep. straight shot. Yep. Sometimes that thing kind of curves off. So that's that's my that's one of mine. What what do you got for your next one? Yeah, that's a good one. That was tough to beat. <laughs> um, let's see. My next one. Um, you know, I kind of have a similar one to that, but I think it was with a pellet. But it was okay. so a little more aerodynamic than a, mm-hmm. than a BB. So again, not not quite as impressive as your brother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a similar story for me was um, around here we get quite a few ground squirrels. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with ground squirrels out your way. Um, they're they're similar to like chipmunks, or they're like a large chipmunk. But okay. They, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say they're like a large chipmunk. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if you had like a hybrid between a squirrel and a chipmunk. Okay. But they have nothing to do with you know running up into trees or anything mm-hmm. like that. They just burrow out in the ground. In fact, when my grandpa was a young teenager and he'd be out in the field planting, he would uh, take his four ten with him because um, those ground squirrels would basically follow the planter. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> as soon as you drop off some seed, they'd be digging it up and eating it. And so, oh, my goodness. He would, he would every time he'd see one, he'd level his barrel and <laughs> let him have it. But uh, they can really uh, eat up your yard. I mean, just, mm-hmm. just put a ton of like burrows in your yard and stuff all over the place. Yeah. And so, my grandparents are always happy when we would, um, help them out with the the ground squirrel issue and so i again i was you know like junior high age or something and um in the yard with my pellet gun and i see a ground squirrel kind of like poke his head or no he was he was running around uh in the yard and then he had just gotten to the opening of his burrow and he like made the fatal mistake of like sitting straight up kind of like a prairie dog oh yep yep and i had my scoped pellet rifle Nice. And, I mean, lights out instantly, you know, just a perfect, like, headshot from Yes. not 50 yards, but I bet it was a good 30 yards, you know. Yeah. It was a pretty good shot for, for, you know, a a cheapo scope on the top of my uh, pellet gun. Yes. But but that was probably. That was amazing, yeah. Yeah, that was probably my, like, 
my personal best shooting mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with the thousands of pellets and BBs I shot growing up. Yes, yes. Well, if I had to say my personal best, you know, in terms of, of an opportunity that I had, I remember specifically, you know, growing up and there was this one situation where, and I remembered, you know, and I'd missed all these ones, you know, my brother just kept nailing them. And I'm like, man, I need to get one. <laughs> and we had this giant tree in our backyard, just, you know, probably a hundred year old, huge tree. And actually it got struck by lightning multiple times. You know, eventually it ended up actually getting one of those fires inside of it. that kind of ate out the inside. They had to come and, you know, tear it down and everything. But there was a, there was a blackbird with, up in this tree and you know i i mean it was i mean it the tree was legitimately probably you know it, it was every bit of 100 foot tall if not if oh, not wow. tall. i mean it was tree. giant just giant tree and yeah. uh you know that that the bird was probably you know 70 foot up and <laughs> you know i just lined it up and i shot and that bird took off like a shot and i mean i was like i was like oh man and I just followed it with my eyes, and man, lo and behold, that thing just—it flew about 20 yards, and then just dropped out of the sky. Like, just—I don't—I don't know where I'd hit it, but I mean, you know, <laughs> it took off like it was totally fine, and then just folded, and and just, you know, fell to the ground. And of course, wow. you know, you're you're a little kid, and you know, you're, you know, you're just this is kind of your first taste of you know, harvesting something, you know, that's obviously not even a real game animal, but you're just outside, you know, enjoying the opportunity. And man, it just like was, you know, I, I, at that moment, I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier than if I had, you know, shot a big deer, you know, I just like, wow, I, all that, all that, you know, you know, time of seeing my brother get all these birds and then to get something like that, you know, to not think that you got it. And then for it to just go down like that was just really cool. So, I mean, it's kind of neat to trace your, your love for, you know, even weaponry and, and kind of getting used to, you know, just handling a gun, you know, and, you know, just that comfort level, you know, and just it feeling good in your, in your, in your hand and getting used to that is, you know, it's kind of neat to be able to trace it back to something, you know, as simple as a red rider and enjoying those simple things, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know, you kind of touched on something there that I've thought about a lot now that I'm, you know, twice as old as I was probably the last time I shot a pellet gun, but (laughs) you're right. But, um, I kind of wish I would have, I would have tried experimenting with cooking some of those sparrows, which sounds mm. ridiculous, you know. No, it's be, a good, good idea, yeah. Because they're, you know, people kind of almost view them like mice, really. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, you know, you, and I think that's where I'm gonna, you know, I might not do things the same as a parent as. As what I did as a, a youngster, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Just because, right. you, you know, now that I, I'm much older and understand the ethics of, and you kind of described that a little bit, you know, where, mm-hmm. where you're harvesting, you know, something you, you want, you want to be able to, uh, I don't know, make some use of it. Of course, we've also talked on here before. It's not like anything that dies goes to waste, right? Something, right. something is going to make use of the nutrition in that, in that, uh, organism uh Mm -hmm. but but um you know i think uh when my son is old enough to to have a bb gun to to do that same kind of thing with you know i i I think i'll probably 
you know, make some kind of rule. You shoot it, you eat it, or something like that. You know, just yeah, to, sure. Just to kind of and and, and and you know, not be like, oh, that's on you, man. You got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think right, sometimes right. there's there's room for that. You know, that's how my yep. grandfather taught my dad how to drive stick shift. <laughs> Oh yeah, he got sure. so annoyed with it he just <laughs> left. Here, get yourself, get yourself home. I'm walking home. <laughs> right. But uh, I think you know that might be a good opportunity to say, hey, let's sit down and let's learn how to field dress and let's yes. let's yes. get something uh, something to eat out of here or. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, maybe you could even use it for catfish bait or, or sure. you know, something something like that where where um you're you're learning that hunting ethic Yeah right away, you know. And yeah, I love and that. Thankfully the you know, neither of us turned into uh um you know idiots that that yes. torture animals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that yep, yep kill and don't hunt you know yes. I, I like to say there's a difference between killing and hunting you know yes and well said. and uh you know i i i certainly want to make sure that i'm preparing my children you know and my daughter even when she's old enough mm-hmm. to 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 start you know i don't want to get lax because yeah. i i taught my son those things and then you know, when she's old enough, you know, I want to make sure she knows too. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. So, but yeah, a lot of great times using the old BB gun, so many good lessons, hunting, hunting lessons learned. And for me, something that didn't come into play until, you know, 10, almost 20 or almost 15 years later, you know, Mm -hmm. then, right those junior high days when it was really yes. kind of the last time I was using a pellet gun, you know? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Great, great gave lessons you, gave you that initial desire, you know, and you kind of learned a little bit. And I really like what you just said about, you know, teaching the kids because, you know, as a hunter, you know, you really respect the game that you are chasing and some right. things are official game species, you know, in terms of things that are popularly, you know, sought after, but other things, you know, aren't necessarily uh, game species, but that doesn't mean you respect them any less or you, you know, certainly want to teach your kids to respect the, the, the animals that they're chasing, that they're trying to harvest. So I really like what you said about that and just even, you know, being able to take advantage of even a, you know, a, a simple, you know, sparrow, a, a blackbird, anything, you know, that, that you could be used to help teach those things is really, is really awesome. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yep. Learning that, that good hunting ethic early on. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, respecting the animal, you know? Yes. I've, I've learned that it's kind of like I go through my t-shirt drawer and how many of my t-shirts have mm-hmm. antlers on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I'm wearing one right now. Uh, but, right, right. but uh, yeah, you get to that point where, you know, I think that's maybe where non-hunters think that we're hypocrites maybe or something, you know, where we claim to love something and then we we go and uh, take its life when we're hunting. And yeah, it is a weird, <laughs> it is a weird mm-hmm. distinction to make, but mm-hmm. truly it does come from that hunter respect, you know, yes. for, for your, your game. You, you understand its value so yes. much more and its capabilities, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Man, I'm just amazed when I see a, you know, 200 plus pound buck effortlessly hop oh, over, yeah. 
hop over a fence without even having a running start at it, you know? Yes. Just, yes. Just up and over. No problem. Yes. It's just nuts what they're capable of, but yeah. Well, let's get on to, uh, the focus of tonight's, um, episode. And, uh, what we're talking about now is small game hunting. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I called it, I, I titled it. I like to title our episodes. They don't necessarily end up being the same titles that you listeners get to see when you download it or, or look it up or whatever. But I like to, I like to come up with titles, uh, for, for, um, what Brandon and I are going to be talking about. And so tonight, what I have our episode titled as is hunting the forgotten species. Mm-hmm. And I should make a, a clarifying statement right now that these aren't necessarily species that no one's like, I've never heard of that. You know, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. I mean, we're going to get into that at the very end. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what are some I guess unusual game species mm-hmm. or just game species that people don't typically think of or maybe even know about. But yeah. but these the ones that we're going to spend most of the time talking about tonight are ones that we know very well and that would be mm-hmm. squirrels, rabbits and doves. So small game hunting probably yep. probably the the big 3 of the small game mm-hmm. uh, I I would say. And we're just going to talk a little bit about when should you hunt them? Um, when you are hunting them, what kind of strategy can you use? Um, you, uh, are fortunate enough to harvest one. Now, Mm -hmm. what do you do with it? You know, how do you, how do you field dress these animals? So, and then of course, uh, ultimately the best part eating them. So we're going to, we're going to walk through that a little bit here. So just right away, um, Brandon, as with all things hunting, other than maybe pheasant hunting, as we talked in the pheasant hunting episode, <laughs> you have yep. um, significantly more experience uh, with small game hunting than I do. I have some. I've had some success, mm-hmm. and I've had some whiffs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to kind of let you take the charge here on on sure. uh, these these topics here, because uh, I think that'll be most useful to our listeners. So with sure. timing, when mm-hmm. do you start Maybe not just get the itch to go squirrel mm-hmm. hunting, uh, but mm-hmm. you're like, it's one of those days where you're at the office and you're like, man, I got stuff I need to do, and mm-hmm. I really should be squirrel hunting if I'm really going to be serious about <laughs> stacking up some uh, some uh, North American monkeys in my freezer, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, squirrel hunting is is one of the things I personally really enjoy. Um, you know, I I did it a lot growing up. I still do it every year. Um, I kind of have a tradition uh, where I, I do it every Thanksgiving um, myself. You know, oh, kind of yeah. family tradition where we we always go out and and hunt on Thanksgiving. We typically do it in the morning and then enjoy a time with family in the afternoon. And uh, every year I go squirrel hunting. I used to go squirrel hunting a lot growing up. Shot a lot of squirrels. Sure. Um, and and what I would do, you know, in terms of timing, you know, here in Delaware, um, there's a squirrel season that opens up usually around mid-September. Okay. Um, and, and squirrel season, it'll, it'll go usually for a few weeks around that time frame and then open back up right close to, you know, right after the, the November shotgun season. Sure. Um, so that's kind of the time frame side of things. Um, but for squirrel hunting, you know, basically you're looking at September, October, November – 
great time because you know this is the time frame you know with you know when squirrels are really preparing for the winter time so you know they're very active um you know the biggest thing that you're looking for in terms of timing and in, in terms of you know uh really what you're looking for in the woods is squirrel nests you know so you want to oh, you know yeah. In in the area that I'm in, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because we'll talk about rabbits here in a, in a minute. But um, where the rabbit population has declined in in Delaware because of the fox population and different things like that, the squirrel population has gone the exact opposite. And so, oh really? Um, it I mean, it, it's very interesting. Um, that is you know, interesting. Squirrels are resilient creatures, really resilient creatures. They're tough creatures. Um, you know, the squirrel population has just exploded. So the cool thing about squirrels are as well, you know, it's a great way to get kids and newer hunters into things. You know, when you're looking at going to a place, you know, like if I was in the Midwest and, you know, could take someone out hunting and I knew, man, I'm going to go to a farm and I'm going to, you know, really have a chance to kick up some pheasants and we're going to have a good time. Kind of the same thing type of thing out here when it comes to squirrels great way to get people into hunting you know kind of give them the itch to get out there shoot the gun a bit you know have a good time um, sure. here in delaware for part of the season um you're able to use a 22 you know rifle which you know kind of funny we're talking about uh the uh, you know bb gun pellet gun type thing you know yeah. which you know kind of the next step up is is the 22 super fun gun to shoot you know great for really just kind of getting that feel for things you know yeah. being able to 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 shoot something with with a you know potentially with a scope um but to you know not have that kick you know that recoil right um so you know be, you know being able to get kind of someone into that um but the really the the time the the, the cool thing for squirrels is the timing really spans that september october november you know time frame where sure. you know when you're you know you're out there any of those time frames where they're really preparing for the winter time you're having a good chance so you know really what you want to do is identify you know Oak trees, obviously, you know, is is a you know huge, huge, you know, uh, plus. You know, if you're locating anything that's giving, you know, dropping nuts, you know, walnuts, acorns, different things like that, that that squirrels are going to tend to 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 pick up. Um, you know, you want to look for those nests which are very, very obvious to see. Yeah. You know, kind of looks like an overgrown bird's nest really i mean it's really yeah. what it what it kind of looks like um and so you know squirrels squirrels are one of those things because you don't have to kick around in a lot of brush you don't have to have a, a dog you don't have to have those things you know squirrels squirrel hunting is kind of cool because if the uh squirrel hunting if the squirrel population is great you can actually do either or you can do in when we're talking about strategy and we'll kind of do timing and strategy for each of the different species um, you know, when you're looking at strategy, you can do a still hunt, you know, you know, let's say you get there in the morning, um, and you're just kind of waiting on the, the activity to start kind of like you would even for, for a deer hunt. I've had a lot of successful sits where I actually sit in a deer stand, um, you know, and, and oh, every yeah, state, maybe, yeah, yeah. Every state's a little different in terms of, you know, where you can hunt different types of, you know, of game, you know, in Delaware, there's not a restriction on being able to hunt squirrels out of a deer stand. So, you know, sometimes, you know, if I know the population's really strong and I, you know, know there's activity, you know, typically a week or two before that, you know, you're normally when I'm hunting in November, a week or two before, you know, you're, you're deer hunting and you're, of course, you're deer hunting, you're seeing all the squirrels in the entire woods within 10 <laughs> yards of you. Know? Right. Um, you yeah. know yep. it, That's right. That's when I see all my squirrels. Yeah. 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 What of is that? Is that a buck? <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, they're they're just out of range when you're actually squirrel hunting. But if, you know, <laughs> if you if you know you're in a great area, you know, just being up in that deer stand is actually a great way to do it because you can just you, know, you can start sniping them, you know, from different distances, and it's really fun. You get that bird's eye view. Um, but then as well, you know, if you're if you want to go the the mobile route, that's a great way as well because you really get to cover a lot of ground. You may shoot one. Hey, you walk another. 40, 50, 60 yards, kind of stand still for five or 10 minutes, you know, and it's amazing how, man, and, and, you know, it's cool because with squirrels, you know, when you're deer hunting for all of us, that deer hunt, you know, that sound, you know, that it's either a, a, a classic squirrel sound where you got the and you're like, man, come on, that's a squirrel. Or it's the sound that really sounds like a deer, but it's actually a squirrel. And, you know, so the cool thing about squirrel hunting is it's like that time for revenge. You know, it's like, man, these, these, these squirrels have been making me think they're deer, or you've been thinking, man, that's a squirrel and I wish I could take him, but man, I'm deer hunting. So it's that time to be like, man, finally I'm squirrel hunting. I can go for that game that I'm after. Um, so it's a really a cool, cool thing to be able to get into for those new hunters. And, you know, for the, for, you know, for those of us who are, you know, been hunting for years, for most of us, you know, it just brings us back to our childhood hunting the, you know, even, even if we only do it a couple times a year for memory's sake, it brings us back to those simpler times, you know, when it wasn't about the, the, the biggest rack, it wasn't about, you know, getting, you know, the, uh, a, a booner down, you know, it was just mm. about going out there having a good time. If you shot a few squirrels, man, you were just having the time of your life. So kind of cool to bring you back to those old memories and kind of good to revisit those traditions from time to time. Yeah. That, that, that gets me excited for, for doing that this year. I'm, I'm, you know, it's, what's interesting is those time timelines that you mentioned and, and mm-hmm. we don't have time to get into this. This is, this could be for a future episode, but, but, um, that's during deer hunting time, you know, that's, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so, you do want to be careful about how much pressure and impact yes. you're putting on your your deer grounds. So, well might be a good time to hit the public land that nearby yes. that you know has some hardwood timber and has some of those, I guess, nut bearing trees like mm-hmm. uh, walnuts and acorns that mm-hmm. that are just going to naturally draw those those squirrels in. So, yep, yeah, that makes me that makes me really excited for mm-hmm. for this fall. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make a specific effort to get out and do a little squirrel hunting so yes well let's talk rabbits then what when do you start getting kind of that similar thing where it's like all right this is the time of year where i'm gonna take whatever amount of time i normally devote to it and get out and start chasing some cottontails around yeah yeah Right. So rabbit hunting, rabbit hunting is, you know, personally for me personally, rabbit are are my favorite animal to eat. Oh, Um, really? Love the taste of rabbit. Yep. And, and rabbits were, were what actually were, what born in, you know, really what created in me a love for hunting. So, you know, when I was just growing up, you know, we had that, I kind of mentioned this just a minute ago, you know, we had that tradition where we hunted every Thanksgiving and, you know, when, when I was really young, you know, when I was like eight, nine, 10 years old, you know, the, my hunting consisted of, you know, of course, being with my dad, I was in the deer stand with my dad from the time I was five or six and, 
you know, basically just going out and, and, you know, when we would, you know, go out on Thanksgiving, um, we would actually just go behind her house. We had a really cool hedgerow, um, behind her oh, house nice. that went all the way to the, to the woods that was probably, you know, 400 yards back behind her house. And, uh, we would just hunt that hedgerow for, for rabbits. And, you know, that was my initial experience with being able to hunt for rabbits and watching my, you know, of course I'm out there with my BB gun. Um, I'm hunting rabbits with my BB gun, really just watching my dad hunt with a shotgun. And, uh, that really gave me a love for getting out there and enjoying it. And I, I never had the privilege of, you know, being able to get out there with rabbit dogs. You know, that's something that mm. I would love to be able to do futuristically, yeah. you know, but in terms of time frame side of things, you know, we always hunt at the, the, here in Delaware, the, the rabbit season typically kicks in. Um, there's not usually a, an earlier season. It typically kicks in right around Thanksgiving, um, and okay. then runs through the end of, of the, the hunting season, which is usually the first weekend of February. Um, and so normally what we would do, you know, on our side of things in terms of strategy is you get out there early, you know, you've got the cottontails, um, that are, you know, of course burrowed, you know, they've got their, their homes they're living in. Yep. Um, they're going to come up, you know, typically early to feed, um, to, to travel a bit, you know, kind of do their morning routine. So it's good to get out there early. Um, and that's typically when we would have the most success, you know, you're ideally a, a great, you know, kind of setup to do if you, if you, if you don't have dogs, you know, a great setup that we had a lot of success with was either a hedgerow. Um, so, you know, we had a lot of success with was, you know, you've got one person who's the briar jumper, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, they're going in, going into the briars. And then you've got, you know, a person on either side of the hedgerow that are the shooters. So if sure. you, you know, got that rabbit running out one side or the other, you're going to have a nice shot. And the cool thing about it is if you've got a nice hedgerow. Um, normally you've, you're going to have a really good shot because those rabbits are typically going to run down, you know, straight down that hedgerow. So if you're on either side, you've got a nice kind of running away shot, which is kind of a real cool shot to have. Um, and so that works out really well. Another, you know, great setup, you know, if you don't have the, the dog side of things, um, is if you've got a setup, whether it's on public land or, or pr- possibly private land where you've got just some brush piles, um, rabbits love brush piles. Um, and it's, it's really a, a great, it's a, it's a great thing to be able to go in if you don't have the dogs, because you can kick in those things real easily. You can make your way around those things. Um, you know, rabbit, a rabbit was actually the first game animal, actual game animal, um, that I was ever able to harvest. And I, I remember I was, I was probably 12 at the time, you know, okay. I had, you know, just for a couple of years been, you know, using a shotgun, kind of learning how to shoot it. My dad was teaching me, you know, this is, you know, I've probably gotten a BB gun when I was around eight or nine and then, you know, 10, 11 started shooting a shotgun. And finally it was actually a Thanksgiving day. Um, you know, when oh, I was nice. 11 or 12 and, and my dad said, Hey, you know what? It's time. Let's, let's get you out there. We'll do a little rabbit hunting. And I specifically remember, you know, he had a rabbit right next to his foot. He, we were hunting a little area where it was just brush piles and it was kind of cool. We were making our way around and he actually looked at it and he said, Brandon, I got a, I got a rabbit right next to my foot. <laughs> and, and he said, look, I'm going to, I'm going to move my foot. And that thing's going to go running out towards you. <laughs> and I will never forget, you know, just I actually shot and I didn't see anything because there was some tall brush and I was shooting as it was bounding through there. And I tell you what, just the just the the, the feeling of being able to walk up and see you got your first game animal. I mean, you know, yeah. of course, my dad was super excited. And so, oh, I mean, man, the, yeah, the, I mean, the interesting thing about a strategy with rabbits, too, is one of the things to do with rabbit hunting is to take your time. Many times, rabbits will hold tight, and it's interesting that you can kick in an area a lot, 
and the rabbit will stand there. But interestingly enough, if you stop and you just stand there and you just wait for a minute, that many times is when that rabbit will flush. So rabbit okay. will get nervous. If you're going through, that rabbit will many times hold tight. You're kicking in brush, and it's amazing where rabbits can hide. I mean, yeah. I've seen rabbits come out of an area where you would never think you – w- you wouldn't think, wow, a rabbit could be there but not be seen. But sure enough, <laughs> it could be a little tiny just patch of grass. I mean, it's just the craziest of things. Many times they will not – unless you square step on them – they will not kick out of that area. But if you stand there for about 30 seconds, it's like all of a sudden they're getting nervous. They're seeing your foot. They're just watching you there, and they just will shoot out of there. And we've had success just, you know, you kind of you go very slowly, you kick through an area, and you just stop. And then, you you know, a minute or two later, you kick through the next area, and you just stop. And it's many times when you stop about 30 seconds into that, that you will bust those out of there. And that's when you have, you know, of course you're prepared, you're ready. And so right. when they bust out of there, you're ready to go. You're ready to shoot versus, you know, many times you're trying, you're kicking in an area. If something busts out of there right when you're kicking, you're not really, you know, ready. So that's kind of a, you know, just kind of a tip, um, for, yeah, that's you a know, when you're tip. out rabbit hunt, you know, so, cause it's, it's something you wouldn't think of like, man, I'm kicking in this thing. What is going on? You know, but it's many times when you stop, yeah. you know, that they get nervous and they will bust out of there. So kind of a tip for those hunters who want to get out there and try for those cottontails, get, you know, take a break. Don't be afraid to just, you know, give it a minute, just be ready because chances are they're going to bust out of there. And when they do, you're going to have a really good opportunity. Yeah. That's a great tip. That's huh. I, you know, what I noticed was when you were talking about strategy with the squirrels, you also mentioned mm-hmm. how sometimes you just need to give it that couple minutes for things to cool off. Yes. And you'll start seeing the activity again. So mm-hmm. sounds like a common theme here for small game hunting. Successful small game hunting is patience. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that's and, and that's the, you know, therein, you know, lies the thing, what we're talking about. You know, the ability to, if you're a first-gen hunter or you're teaching a first-gen hunter, getting guys or girls into the small game side of things helps them. It's a combination of things. Helps them have fun. Helps them learn helps them, you know, really develop the discipline of patience yeah. um, because, you know, it's hard, you know, even, even, you know, even look at yourself now, uh, I reflect on myself and, and how used to, I mean, we've talked about this before, you know, being on a cell phone and yeah. we're so conditioned to be on a cell phone and man, we want to, we want what we want now. And, and, and yep. sometimes how that even translates for us, you know, more experienced hunters being out in the woods and you're on your cell phone a lot and, you know, sometimes you're like, man, you know what? I've kind of lost that discipline of patience a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and, you know, looking back, you know, when we were growing up and, you know, there, there were no cell phones and, you know, you're out in the woods and you're just, I mean, you're just enjoying <laughs> it. You know, yep. you're, you're, you're not distracted. And so the, the ability to kind of help people learn that and, and to teach them at that on the fly through the small game hunting is a really cool feature of it. And the, the cool thing too, is, you know, you're moving, you're not typically sitting still for real long periods of time. Time. So you're in, able to engage people, but also teach them that, that, you know, art of patience at the same time, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent point. Patience can really be applied to all forms of hunting, you know, and, and mm-hmm. yep. in some ways, whether it's being patient enough to wait for a better shot. Yes. Patient enough to wait in the stand for another five minutes. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've you've mentioned that in the past where yes. you, you kind of almost play that mental game with yourself of yes. I feel like quitting. Okay, I'm going to stay five more minutes. You know, and, that's right. That's right. And you can you can kind of help help yourself with that, or even totally outside of that, patience mm-hmm. with like. Uh, of course, uh, the, this is new to you this year, right? Mushroom hunting, you know, yes. <laughs> or or, uh, <laughs> or shed hunting, you know, there, there's just going to be those droughts where you're not finding anything. But generally speaking, you, you log those hours and things are going to things are going to work out. So here yes. here again in a small game hunt mm-hmm. sounds like a really an important, important uh, characteristic of a successful s- small game hunter. Yes. Well, you're 100% right. And the cool thing is, as you mentioned, you know, before, you know, in, in terms of shooting rabbits when you're pheasant hunting or different things like this. I mean, I, I specifically remember hunting multiple types of small game at the same time growing up. And that's kind of a cool feature of small game. You know, if you're if you're out deer hunting, you're typically just out deer hunting. You know, if you're, you're doing the, the, yep. the, the bigger game. You know, you're specifically focused on that. The cool thing with small game is, you know what, you may be out pheasant hunting and you have a chance at a rabbit. Man, it's fair game. If, it, if the season's in, it's fair yep. game. You know, rabbit, squirrel, even dove, which we're going to talk about next you know many of those seasons correlate together and so it's kind of cool when you're out you know just to be able to have the opportunity to to take multiple types of game you know aside from the fact that you know you're out there and you know what you're you're while you're out squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting you're going through you're seeing deer trails you're you're learning different things just being out there moving around being Mm -hmm. mobile in the woods so it's kind of cool to have that opportunity just i think you've said it multiple times before in, in past episodes every time you're out there you're learning you know you're learning the lay of the land you're learning trails yes. you're seeing things you're, you may may even see an area you know where man you're 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 squirrel hunting but man wow never noticed this area before man it's a great spot to hang a stand right. you know you're just keeping your eyes open and learning and being educated every step of the way right that's that's spot on i actually just wrote an article about that on the first gen hunter website so firstgenhunter.com. Oh, nice. yeah and it that was the whole theme was for small game hunting and this is how I've had almost all of my small game success, which isn't a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't done a lot of small game hunting, as yeah. I've already said this episode. But I have had some success while pheasant hunting and others, mm-hmm. and, and seen it with others that were hunting with me. And it's exactly as you said. You end up, you're looking for pheasants or quail. And instead mm-hmm. of flushing a bird, you flush a rabbit. And yep. You know, that's what a true predator in in the wild, that's mm. how they operate. You know, they, that's right. they can't afford to be picky and say, you know what, no, I really I really am in the mood for venison tonight. You know, right. <laughs> it, it, we, are, we are conditioned to sympathize for the prey species when we're watching, mm. you know, a, an animal network television show yes. or something you know where right. we see this impala just get like you know mowed down by a yes. uh, leopard or something you know and we're like oh that poor impala but what <laughs> the reality is a lot of the time that leopard misses you know and yes. they put so much energy into making a kill i mean imagine if every time you were going to eat except for the the rare occasion where you uh, sniff out some uh, 
some carrion somewhere that's rotting in the hot sun, you know, and, yes. and you know, <laughs> they're, that's the equivalent of fast food for a predator in the wild. You know, the, yes. uh, the rest of the time they got to make a kill every time. And there's so much risk just in the amount of calories that they burn. And if they don't mm-hmm. capitalize on it, um, kind of a yes. popular video illustrating this recently that ended up working out for the predator. It's actually, uh, I saw it on the Hunt Fish Life Facebook page. There's all kinds of good stuff there. Um, yes. Someone posted a video. Uh, some some guy was hiking with his family in Yellowstone, I mm-hmm. believe. And mm-hmm. yep. just get, getting back to their car. And you got this uh, juvenile bison having a, it didn't really seem to be that crazy of a, interaction with that grizzly at first it seemed like both yeah. were kind of like flexing on each other and it, yes, and right. you didn't really get the feeling that you know okay this will probably be kind of a bluff charge type thing and both things will be like this is pointless you know we're both yes powerful and and big yes but it very much went the other way and the buffalo became dinner we assume yeah. uh <laughs> yes. by the end of the video and yes and just the struggle to kill that thing the bear mm-hmm. was putting every ounce of strength into into um get making a kill and to imagine had had he um had he not gotten the kill might have mm-hmm. been a bad situation. He could have gotten hurt, not been able to yep. hunt. Yep. Now, the nice thing for a bear is they're omnivores, so you know they, their their body mm-hmm. is built to metabolize berries and mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know other plants, and they'll eat a lot of insects yep. and stuff. But mm-hmm. but yep. like yep. a a wolf or something, you know, an mm-hmm. obligate carnivore, right? They they yep. uh, <laughs> they got to eat meat. And so, yeah, you know, an injury there could be uh, that could that could end them. So, uh, why do I bring all this up then? Well, in nature, what you'll find a lot of times, and I write about this in the article, uh, predators are very opportunistic. So, um, probably the best North American example of this is a bobcat. You know, I, I believe most states have some sort of a bobcat population. Um, do you mm-hmm. guys do you guys have one there in Delaware? We we don't. We've just kind of started going with the uh, getting seeing some coyotes on our side of things. Which oh, is that's kind of, right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you saying but that not now. the bobcats. I, I, maybe at some point we will. But you guys have a, a decent yeah, population yep, out there. Yep. Yeah. In fact, I think in Iowa there's a small, a very narrow windowed hunting or if not hunting trapping season for mm-hmm. bobcats and i believe the same thing is true in illinois okay um, but yeah they're doing bobcats are doing pretty well i've seen a few of them um uh, i've only ever seen them while driving um, just mm-hmm. out in fields and stuff very cool to see one but yeah but um bobcats are known to take down adult deer they're only wow. the big the biggest bobcats are in the low 40s for yeah. pounds you know 40 pounds yeah. is a big bobcat and kind of what the, the what they'll do is they'll lunge at the neck and basically bite on the neck and then uh, kind of like spread out their their uh, legs and just kind of 
gouging with their nails and and just hang on for dear life until they can wow. drag that deer down. Yeah, now imagine the risk of injury for one and the number of times that that doesn't <laughs> pan out. You know what I mean? Like right. they, they don't they don't successfully kill the deer. So yes. Yeah, they'll do that, but much more likely to eat rabbits, much more likely mm-hmm. to eat mice. If they mm-hmm. can, if they can get their hands on a squirrel, of course they would eat that, you know. But they're sure. they're gonna they're gonna be focusing on things that that are easier and a more guaranteed source. You know, what's more, what's the closest thing to walking towards the refrigerator, basically, right? Yes. As yes. opposed to you know making the five course dinner. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. the you know if they can have it, of course they'll take it. You know, sure. if they can get it, get on a fawn or something like that and get oh, a, a big opportunistic right yep. right they'll they'll to get that big you know input of calories but uh otherwise they they um or i should say intake of calories uh, mm-hmm. otherwise you know they gotta take what's there and we as hunters can learn from that right with small game hunting just like brandon said when you're out pheasant hunting of course you got to make sure that the seasons are like Brandon mentioned, that they're lining up, which I think in yep. most states they probably do to some extent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they do in Iowa. And, um, you know, you're walking by, you're walking a, I think I used this exact example in the article I wrote. You're walking by a stand of hardwoods. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you're obviously, most of your attention's on the the grass that you're walking through to see if any birds flush but also give a couple of glances up look for those squirrel nests that brandon talked about and see if you see Mm -hmm. any see any uh, squirrels bouncing around up there or or, you know screaming at you or whatever for yes getting too close and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh you know you you might you might not end up getting a pheasant or a quail that day or a grouse or whatever but hey might get a might get a squirrel or two, you know, to, that's right. to eat. So, yeah, that's that's um, that's a really good point to to bring up there. So, well, uh, the the last thing that I want to talk about here with with timing and strategy are are doves, and then we'll go ahead and mm-hmm. talk about this. Uh, you know, any cleaning tips and then food mm-hmm. prep tips. But but uh, doves, when do you start uh, really focusing on those? I'm going to guess that's pretty early in the season. Dove hunting is one of the first species we get to hunt each fall, and when we see them pecking around in our yards or calling out their lonesome, grief-filled song from their perch on the power lines, we can begin to think that they would be pretty easy to hunt. But think again, my friend. As I mentioned at some point in this episode, in most cases, many shells are spent in order to bring down just one dove. How can that be, you might think? They're only the size of my fist. Well, that's true. But the doves you see in your yard or up on the power lines close by your house typically do not represent the behavior of the general population of doves. In fact, doves can be pretty wary and they're quite uh, speedy in their flight. And so when it comes to hunting them, you really have to be prepared to get as close to the dove as you can in order to squeeze off it lethal shot. So how do you do that? 
Well, you can't ignore your camouflage. That's probably rule number one. You're camped out there in a good travel way, waiting for that fateful flyby. But if the doves are seeing you from, I don't know, 50 yards out, they're not ever gonna swoop low enough to come in range of your shotgun. So make sure you have some good camouflage on. Um, I would especially recommend like a camo shirt or jacket, sweatshirt, something, and a camo cap, and then tuck into the weeds nearby. I wouldn't really recommend hunting out of an actual blind, but hunting in some natural cover like that will help conceal you long enough so that when the birds do see you, it's too late. So, save yourself some shotgun shells and exponentially increase the chances of having dove-filled jalapeno poppers at your Labor Day cookout by taking the simple step of preparing your camouflage when you go dove hunting. Now, back to part two of the show. Yeah, you're you're spot on on that on that side of things. I mean, here in in uh, Delaware, you know, it kicks off September one, um, and I think several states are you know early September, mid September, um, and and dove hunting is neat because um, dove hunting is one of those things that it's, it, you know, pretty popular in different States to do like dove shoots where, um, you can even, you know, sign up for a dove shoot over, uh, sunflower beds. Um, dove loves sunflowers. Um, and so one of the, one of the cool setups, if you've got the ability to, to plant, you know, sunflowers, uh, you know, on your property, man, I mean, dove hunting can be incredible. Um, one of the setups that we have, and it's not even, we didn't even plan them. Um, you know, one of the properties that we hunt, um, every other year, the, there's a, there's a landowner up the road that plants, uh, about, I mean, it's not even that big of a, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to say about a two acre, maybe not even quite a two acre patch of, sunflowers it's about a quarter okay. mile up the road um and one of the things that that dove love too you know just strategy side of things power lines hmm. um you yep. know if you've got an area the kind of kind of quintessential you know area would be you know cornfield with you know some sunflowers close by um and some power lines you know any sort of combination two out of the three of those is pretty awesome um and so if you've got something like that some sort of setup like that it's great you know but even if you don't if you just have a cornfield you just have a cornfield with some you know maybe a hedgerow going down the cornfield you know sure. even something simple like that you know you're you're talking again you maybe you're out rabbit hunting you know in that hedgerow Dove love cornfields, you know, especially cut cornfields. You know, and that, when that those cornfields are cut and corn is laying in those fields, man, they love that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you're you're looking at getting out early in the year, which is great because usually dove hunting is a great way to kick off, you know, the season. You can be right. out there in some short sleeves or some light long sleeve. You know, it's a good way to kick the season off and kind of get back into the. You know, you've been maybe you've been you know throwing some arrows, practicing, kind of getting set up for the season. You've been fishing, and now you're able to get into the dove side of things. So definitely early early season. You know, the the month of September is key. Um, you know, strategy side of things, trying to like I said, make sure that you're you've got kind of two of the three of those things that we mentioned. Ideally, you've got some sunflower 
patches, you know, around, you know, and, and like I said, the cool thing is, and what many guys do, you know, for, for a hundred bucks, you can go and, 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 you know, sign up for a, a dove shoot over a sunflower, you know, a bed. And, you know, what some, what many guys will do is it's kind of like their, their way of kicking the season off with their friends, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll, you know, hey, for a hundred bucks, I mean, and, and usually the, the bag limit on dove is between 12 to 24 birds, you know, depending on the area that you're in. So you can, sure. you can shoot a fair amount of them, which is, which makes it fun. You know, and if you've got three or four or five guys out there, man, you're, you know, you could have the potential to take home, you know, between 50 and a hundred birds. So it's wow, pretty, yeah. pretty cool. Um, and so, you know, if you have the opportunity to do that, once again, you know, you're talking, you know, if you're taking a first gen hunter out there, Man, some cool opportunity for some action, some fun. Um, you know, for you know, a seasoned hunter dove, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Dove are one of the best tasting mm, little yeah. animals. I mean, they are just tasty little things. Um, and so pretty, pretty cool to kind of get into that side of things. So timing, September, you know, the month of September in particular, strategy, look for those sunflower patches, look for those cut cornfields. Um, even standing corn, you know, initially is not bad because, you know, it gives you a lot of cover to kind of get in there. Um, Dove will, you know, love to travel back and forth those power lines or those hedgerows if you're out in a in even a standing cornfield in september when all the corn's still up man great place to be you know kind of waiting for those those transition points especially the morning you know as the sun comes up those deer those uh doves start to transition um you know from you know in many cases like i said ideally you're going to kind of be in between those sunflower patches and and you know, cornfield, hedgerow, power line type things, they're going to transition back and forth between those, you know, type of setups. And really, you know, even for someone, you know, you're not, maybe you're not, you know, going out there and doing anything crazy. You're not paying for a hunt, but you can go out there and have a lot of action just in a setup like that. So once again, another great thing to get, you know, first gen hunters involved in, get them out there, get them shooting the gun. You know, if you're out there, a cool thing too, you're out in a cornfield, you know, of course, safety is always first, but you know, when, if you're out there with a, with, you know, a younger hunter, and maybe you're just together, man, that's a great way to just have some fun because, you know, maybe you're just out there, could be you, could be a couple people, you know, and, and you're yep. kind of, you know, planned out like, hey, we've got, you know, kind of this lane to shoot in. You guys have got that lane to shoot in. Kind of helps them learn, you know, responsibility and discipline like, hey, okay, dove's coming in to the right. We're going to, you know, we're going to let the hunter to the right take it, you know, kind of you start to learn that discipline because, you know, as when you're when you're a new hunter, you know, you can kind of sometimes have that tendency to kind of, oh man, something's coming in, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot at everything coming in. <laughs> um, but, but you know, learning that, you learning how to tame down that excitement, learning to yes. get that discipline is is big. And dove hunting in particular really helps with that because with dove hunting, you really are typically one of one of the most successful ways to dove hunt, of course, is to hunt in a group. And you would, you know, stretch out a little bit. You know, uh, power lines are great to be able to hunt because you can, you know, it's kind of kind of cool because you can say, hey, guy A, you're going to be at this power line. Guy B, this power line. You kind of just spread out a little bit. But it does take um, discipline and it takes being safety minded. You know, so yeah. really thinking like, man, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to, if it does kind of come into my right there, I don't want to send, I don't want to send, you know, a big, you know, pellet load on the top of the head of, you know, the hunter that's over that way. So right, yeah. it really helps to, you know, really talk through those things. And, you know, for those of us who are more experienced, you know, hey, talking through those things with first gen hunters and, and, and especially young hunters, you know, that may not be thinking about all those things, 
keeping those reg, you know, that regularly in conversation is important because it is easy. You know, if you're not planning, it is easy to forget about the safety side of things. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start getting excited, man, maybe you get a you get a group of dove coming in, and it is very easy to forget about those things. So really, being proactive and keeping those in conversation helps those young hunters, helps those first gen hunters start to learn that safety side of things. Because you know what, it's like anything else when you're in the classroom. You can talk about a lot of things, but until you actually do it, yep. you know, it, it that's really the glue that really brings it together. And it's the same thing with hunting, man. You can you can talk about it. And for those of, those of you guys who are tuning in, we love that. We're here to help you guys, teach you guys, encourage you guys. But, you know, when you get out there with maybe a mentor hunter or maybe you're a seasoned hunter and you're getting out there and you're helping someone, that's really where the true learning kicks in because that gives you the opportunity to see it all come together. Um, and so and at the end of the day, what we're all about first is safety. You know, the goal is to get everyone home, help everyone have a great time, but be safe doing it. And so dove hunting in particular kind of helps you teach a lot of those specifics that you're not necessarily sure. going to, you know, always have a natural opportunity to teach sure. with some of the other hunting things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All, all great points, especially for first gen hunters. And, and you're mm-hmm. right, you know, you can and maybe part of it, what lends itself to what you talked about there with that excitement to get the mm-hmm. guns going, right? You know, it's yep. your first time yep. out for the the fall hunting season. And yes, you as I mean, maybe you're you're truly very brand new to hunting and you're listening in and mm-hmm. we are so happy to have you. And yes. we hope you're learning from from this resource. Maybe if that is you and either A, you haven't gone hunting yet, or B, you've been hunting, but you haven't had that moment yet where you've had game in front of you and you've been able to, you know, it's been legal for you to take a shot if if the opportunity mm-hmm. presents itself. There is like such a rush of emotion when that happens you know you call it buck fever when you're deer hunting where it's just Mm -hmm. you you get this crazy excitement and and that paired with that this is the first time out of the year you know that can you know make you first of all waste a lot of shells right but more seriously it can um you know maybe lend itself to making it more possible for a dangerous situation happening. Mm -hmm. So as Brandon said, great time to be really thinking about your gun safety, knowing where the actual safety is on your gun and, and knowing how to, you know, operate during a hunt with that. Yes. You know, that's, that's an important part of it. You know, you need to make a, that conscious decision of, and I would, I would say that newer hunters should always, keep the safety on until they are you know they're the only thing on their mind is is it's time to to harvest Mm -hmm. an animal you know it's not Mm -hmm. it should be well let me get situated here and get more comfortable no if you're still in that mode then the safety should still be on but yeah yeah just being aware of where your hunting partners are uh, you don't want to rain any lead down on them or anything, and and uh, <laughs> right. um, you know what's interesting too on just the expense of dove hunting side of things. Mm-hmm. You would think it'd be a really cheap thing, and it is. Um, I'll actually talk about my strategy tip here with decoys in a second, but yeah, but um, 
it is a pretty cheap form of hunting. I mean, go out in a camo hoodie, get yourself a mm -hmm. camo cap to kind of blend in as they're flying over you. They don't spot you so easy. But, yep. um, you know, you don't have to have all the um, scent control stuff, and mm -hmm. you don't have to have a tree stand. You don't, you don't have to... It's warm out, so you can even be in shorts. Um, one of yep. the guys I was hunting with last year was wearing flip-flops while he was hunting. <laughs> and... Uh, um, or sandals, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it's more relaxed, but you can get pretty trigger-happy with dove hunting. And, um, you know, shells aren't, you know, the most expensive ammunition out there, but they aren't cheap either. And, um, you know, if you're using lead shot, then that's just that much more lead shot uh, going into the environment, you know. And, yes. and there's definitely been problems, well-documented problems with with that in um, years past and so uh, you know yes. you kind of have to be aware of that in fact one of the guys I went dove hunting with last year told me that he had heard that doves are the game species the number one game species in North America that have the most rounds of ammunition spent per mm. per uh bagged dove so per, i believe it. per bagged animal mm -hmm. uh so i think he said it was each bagged dove represents eight shells wow. of ammunition that that are used and he he was spot on when we went we you know i burned through <laughs> almost a box of shells and only got yes. a few doves out of it you know and, yes, right. and they're they're pretty quick and it's a small target mm -hmm. and learning mm -hmm. that appropriate range you know i think we've kind of talked about that yes. with the pheasants where you know after you start hitting that you know 30 yard range you know mm -hmm. with a, a shotgun those pellets just get so spread out if you don't have a choke in you know or a mm -hmm. i mean a really uh tight choke in then mm -hmm. You, there's a good chance you're just going to shoot around them, you know, and yes, and leading them is so important too. Learning that eye for yes. leading them, we've talked about that with practicing with clay pigeons before. So, yeah. Now, my tip that I was going to say with uh, so for the tr strategy, mm -hmm. I purchased some decoys for really cheap. I got uh, maybe um, six to eight dub okay. decoys, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I bought one um, battery-powered decoy where the wings are spinning, you know, so it looks you know, oh, like sure. you got yeah. a, a landing dove there. Mm -hmm. And then we put up a, a stick in the ground and clipped on a bunch of dove decoys onto that, and a lot of the dove decoys. In fact, I'm not sure if they make really any dove decoys that don't have the clips on them. But that, yeah, right. It might be something to be smart to just check when you go to buy them. But I think for 30 bucks, I had all those those decoys, and they worked great. They brought in a lot of yeah. doves for us, and and for sure, it was an advantage to have those. You know, so even nice. if you can't, even if you can't find. Uh, like here in Iowa, you know, a field of sunflowers, unless somebody's doing a specific food plot for them, you're just not going to find many, many fields like that. But, yeah. but, um, you know, you can kind of make up for that by like Brandon's saying, you know, try to get two out of those three things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of, kind of even add some gravy to it, so to speak, by, by putting the decoys out in a very obvious spot 
kind of in mm-hmm. that transition corridor there for them to be flying, you know, from the, the case that Brandon mentioned from sunflowers to power lines, you mm-hmm. know, put camp out under the power lines and put your decoys out and, yep. and you'll be, you'll be like air traffic control, right? Just uh, <laughs> guiding them in. <laughs> That's right. You know, you can... Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's cool because, you know, you mentioned, you know, leading, you know, the, the birds and learning how to shoot and getting comfortable with the gun and whatnot, you know, all those things are, you know, transcend, you know, a lot of different types of hunting, you know, and, and, you know, so if you can, if you can learn how to lead a dove, well, chances are you're going to, you're going to be pretty good at quail hunting. You're going to be really yep. good at pheasant hunting. Yep. I mean, you know, a lot of those things transition and translate across the board, you know, even when you're talking about something like rabbits, you know, you've got to, you've got to know how to lead a rabbit, yeah. you know, yep, depending on the angle that you're shooting it on. So, you know, so, I mean, a lot of it is, is all, you know, the ability to learn a lot of these different things. And one of the things that I'm thankful for, and, and, you know, for those of us who are seasoned hunters, don't be afraid to continue to do these things that you did when you were younger. You know, I know for yeah. myself kind of reflecting as I've gotten older, you know, I, I just continue to fall in love with different kinds of hunting specifically but it's great to still be doing all of these types because, you know, it keeps you in tune with the different animals. You know, you love and respect the different animals. It, you know, different seasons offer different levels of enjoyment and different things. It helps you balance pressure. You know, Kent was just mentioning a little bit ago, hey, maybe maybe you're going to hunt, you know, squirrels in a, in a public setting to, you know, spare the, the pressure on, you know, your deer hunting property. And so all of these things offer different opportunities and you know what, maybe for, for someone who is like, man, you know, I want to help someone get into hunting, but man, you know, I've got limited yeah. time myself, you know, man, what do I do? You know, my encouragement to you would be, you know what, commit to, you know, someone that you know that, you know, maybe has an interest. You don't have to take them out 15 times, you know, right. commit, you know, commit to just getting them out there a time or two in the season. You know, people appreciate, you know, you just, you making a little bit of time, you know, and that really, when you, when you think about it too, it's not, it's, it's not just hunting and fishing. It's about the friendship. It's about the camaraderie. It's about developing relationships, which ultimately a huge part of the, the enjoyment of life is all about, you know, so um, we all need to be willing to venture outside of our comfort zone a little bit. For those who, you know, are, are new to hunting, don't be afraid to ask a seasoned hunter that you're getting to know, hey, like, would you mind teaching me a little bit? Would you mind helping yeah. me a little bit? You know, sometimes people on both sides don't know how to ask or how to offer, you know, so when someone you kind of bridges that gap, that can make all the difference in the world. Because sometimes, you know, as a seasoned hunter, you don't want to come across like, man, hey, you need help, you know, can I help <laughs> yep, you? Yep. You know, and, and then for the newbie, you know, you don't want to, you know, seem needy like, man, I need help, you know, but but the reality is the other person probably really wants to help or, the, or, or probably really desires help. So, you know what, if someone bridges the gap, you're like, man, not only could that really start someone getting into it, but it could develop friendship and, and the opportunity to enjoy that type of stuff together, which like we've talked about before, amplifies things. So don't be afraid to, to jump in there and, and, you know, these squirrels, rabbits, dove, you know, can be a great way to kick it off and a lot of fun, you know, and, and, and it could even be that, you know, I know one thing that, that, you know, I've mentioned before as well, 
you know, my group has, has done, which, you know, several of the guys in my group, they don't hunt very much. You know, they just hunt periodically, you know, we'll get them out every now and then, but we'll sure. do one of those, you know, preserve hunts like a pheasant hunt, or we're talking doves, you know, that's a very popular type thing that you can do it for, for very, you know, very inexpensive, you know, to do a dove shoot early in September. And, and usually a, a hunt like that is a lot of fun because there's been very little pressure, of course, on the dove. And so, you know, things like that are set up real well to just, just for really maximum fun and enjoyment, you know? And so you're, when you're talking about getting guys out there and wanting them to enjoy it, man, that's a great way to be able to do it and just have fun while you're doing it. So don't be afraid to kind of get outside of the comfort zone and enjoy some of these things. For some of us who are seasoned hunters that are, you know, more into other things like deer hunting and whatnot, don't lose, you know, don't lose your your your, the tradition of some of these small game because it kind of made us into the hunters we are and it can make those first-end hunters into the hunters that they could one day be so you know continue to enjoy these things and and look to try to get out and get people into it with them yeah that's that's uh very sound advice there and you know i was kind of thinking too uh, you know one of the things that is appealing to we'll say specifically yes first gen hunters but a first gen hunter mm-hmm. could be a, a you know a, a junior high uh a student you know yep. but let's talk specifically here about adult onset hunters you know such as mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. one of the things that kind of appeals to us is that stuff that Brandon just mentioned the camaraderie, the, mm-hmm. uh, you, you oftentimes call it the brotherhood and sisterhood of the outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, that's appealing to us. And we see those traditions that go on where maybe a family has their, their yearly, uh, deer camp or, yes. or sometimes you hear people talk about Turkey camp or something like mm-hmm. that. Or, or I know a lot of guys will like with church groups and stuff, get together and do a big uh, waterfowl trip up to the Dakotas or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? And that kind of thing, just like (laughs) it strikes that part of us that longs for community and, and belonging and and just enjoyment of sharing an experience with other people. So Mm -hmm. as a first gen hunter, you know, looking at dove hunting specifically, a great way to maybe start creating that for yourself. Uh, yeah, for sure. You could ask people, but maybe, you know, once you start figuring things out and how to hunt safely and stuff, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with you only being a step ahead of your best friend who maybe is a little interested in hunting as well and saying, Hey man, let's kind of figure this out together. And, 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 you know, once of course they're able to know how to hunt safely and everything, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that's, you know, maybe start, start your own tradition and maybe, you know, for a lot of States doves open up around Labor Day. What a great yes. tradition. Labor Day weekend. We, every year we get together on one of the days and, you know, hunt from sun up till, uh, just after, lunchtime and you mm-hmm, know, and call mm-hmm. it a day and that's just what we do every labor day weekend you know that's that that could be a you know something like that you can almost create that experience that was one of the reasons why you kind of wanted to get into hunting anyways you know was, yes. was for that if that if that you know describes you maybe some people don't really care so much about that but i mm-hmm. think many do so yes. you can almost create that for yourself so well brandon as we uh kind of start 
drawing towards wrapping this one up. Mm-hmm. It's great knowing when and knowing how to harvest the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. But we also need to know, okay, uh, are there any specific things that we need to know about here when we're field dressing? I don't think that this is going to be most effective to uh, just, like, say, you know, talk through, all right, step mm-hmm. one, you're going to do mm-hmm. this. That's going to be much better through a video or, or um, you know, a diagram or something even. Mm-hmm. But So I guess what I want to approach the field dressing side of things with and then we'll talk about the the food preparation side, any favorite yeah. recipes and stuff. But um, mm-hmm. are there any specific, like, this is one trick that I do or two tricks that I do that always mm-hmm. make field dressing squirrels, rabbits, and doves easier to uh, yeah. to manage? Because mm-hmm. I know, like, with with squirrels, there are, like, millions of tiny tiny super fine uh hairs that yes uh if you don't handle the the situation (laughs) right you're gonna be uh you're gonna be saying wow my food is furry when you uh when you go to eat it so do you have any uh any kind of specific tricks for field dressing either one or all of Mm -hmm. of uh these game species yeah, yeah. So I would say the toughest to to field dress would be of the three would be squirrels, um, and the reason for that is they're, they're just they've got a tough hide, okay. um, and so so what I would say the 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 best way to field dress a squirrel that I've found um, is it, just kind of explaining it very simply is you know make a nice slit you know in the just the center of the back you know you don't want to cut into the meat you know what i typically do is you know and ideally you know you you have someone you know helping you so hey great to have you know a a buddy out there with you you know to help and kind of go through the process you just pinch the the back skin and make a nice good slit open that up real good um to where you can get you basically your your you know two fingers from each hand in and from there you can just kind of just split it open. Basically, you're just going to pull from one end to another, um, and that makes it really easy. From there, you can go ahead and, and cut off the appendages and whatnot, and then you you really essentially have the the meat portion of the squirrel. It makes it very easy. It makes it very clean. Um, you know what you were talking about is big. You know, reference to trying to avoid the hair getting on there. Um, one right. of the things that you know we've had a lot of success with in in terms of making sure the hair gets off there, and then also just helping with the gaminess of the taste. Um, use either uh, salt water um, okay. or use milk. You know, so salt water, milk, either one works really well. And you basically just you're gonna want to sit that in there after you've gone ahead and and you know um, you're taking care of field dressing with you know getting the entrails out and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just go ahead after you've cleaned it out and let it sit in that salt water, that milk overnight. Just let it oh, sit overnight. Tip. Um, just simple, you know, usually I've just got to, you know, get a little simple Tupperware container. Um, I'll go ahead and, you know, put, you know, the milk or the, the, the salt water in there and let it sit. Um, that really helps with the gaminess that helps kind of just get, you know, whatever lasts a little bit of hair off of there. Um, and then from there, you're good to go. Um, with, with rabbits, rabbits have super soft skin, um, you know, super soft fur. Um, so, I mean, rabbits are almost like, man, if you had a blanket made out of rabbit fur, wow, that would be like the best blanket ever. (laughs) Um, you know, 
but but kind of similarly, except it's it's a lot easier, you know, because they they rabbits are such soft animals. Um, they don't have a they don't have a tough hide to deal with. So kind of the same thing. You just make that slit right in the back, you know, of, of the fur. You pull them apart. Super super easy to do. Um, doves are are real easy because um, really the the only the, the only real meaty part of a dove is is the breast meat. Right. Um, and so with a dove, um, you can. Uh, if, if you want to do a quick and easy, what you can do is just at the bottom of the breast, you know, you've got the, you know, the, the, the kind of, the, you would say the, the belly, the chest portion, just below that, you'll feel with your finger, just right at the very bottom of that bone there, um, you'll, you'll feel kind of the opening. Usually what I will do is I will make a little slit right there in that area, just below, you know, the chest cavity. Yeah. Um, and you can very simply just, I mean, literally with one finger, kind of reach in, grab those entrails out. Um, if you want to make it very easy for, for cooking purposes, you can actually breast it out right from there. So you can actually just pull the breast out right there because that's the, that's the you know, the, the meaty part. Sure. Um, sometimes people will try to, you know, kind of cut the wings off and kind of save that whole area because of the skin and whatnot. Usually what I do um, with the, with a dove is just literally, you know, you, you're reaching in. You actually don't even need to worry about, you know, pulling the entrails out because all you kind of have to do is just pull the breast out. If you pull the breast out, it takes care of everything in one fell swoop. So it's kind of easy and simple to do it that way. And that's where, you know, 95% of the meat is for, for a dove. So that kind of works out really well and then makes it super easy to put in a frying pan or to cook up however you want to do. Sure. Yeah. So let's so let's go ahead and and take take it to that point here. Do you mm-hmm. have any favorite uh, dishes that you do with any of any of these species or any um, like go to recipes for mm-hmm. preparing? Yeah, yeah. So, so for squirrels, so squirrels, you know, squirrels and rabbits both have kind of a, um, uh, you know, kind of a tendon like stringy type meat you know, mm-hmm. can say yep. um and so for squirrels one one of the you know cool things are i mean squirrel here's the thing squirrels not a lot of meat on a squirrel um and you know so kind of a cool thing to do with squirrels what i recommend is kind of shred the meat a little bit um so so what i recommend is go ahead and get it in a crock pot get okay. it in a crock pot let it sit you know if you let it sit for six to eight hours you know just on you know kind of a medium heat let it you know kind sure. of you know the point where the, the meat's just about falling off the bone. Shred it up a little bit. You can just kind of pull it off the bone. Um, and, you know, ideally you've got, you know, maybe two or three of them. Um, and, you know, pull that meat off the bone. And then from there, mix it with a, with a nice pasta. Okay. Um, you know, kind of get like a linguine, you know, type uh, pasta with it. And mm-hmm. like a white sauce, like an Alfredo type oh, yeah. sauce. Super, super good. Um, my wife has, has made this before. Usually when I'm, when, you know, usually, you know, Praise the good Lord, been able to be pretty successful over the years with, with squirrel hunting, you know, when I go, you know, do my traditional, like, Thanksgiving hunt and whatnot. Right. So um, she has made a really good, like, uh, pasta with, you know, kind of shredded squirrel meat mixed in and Alfredo sauce. Really good, um, you know, for, for an animal that doesn't produce a lot of meat. It helps the meal be really filling. Um, and so that's kind of one of my favorites on the squirrel side of things. Um, with rabbit. I actually really like a crock pot rabbit, you know, okay. go ahead and put some vegetables and almost like think, think of like a pot roast yeah. um, type setup, you know, with the vegetables and whatnot, and just let that rabbit sit in there, you know, 
the nice thing about a rabbit is it's big enough to where you got a little bit more meat than a squirrel, um, but small enough to where you're going to need to, you know, supplement it usually with a little something. Um, so having it in there with those vegetables and whatnot and just, you know, cooking and, and, and enjoying that in the crock pot, man, it just, I mean, I, I personally love the taste of rabbit meat so much squirrel meat, you know, just personal preference squirrel meat, not as big of a fan of personally in terms of, man, just give me a piece of squirrel, you know, I'm not going to necessarily be be my coat too. But, you know, like I said, with squirrel, you know, hey, you mix it with a good sauce or you mix it with something really makes it tasty or a gravy type thing would make it really good. Um, Whereas rabbit just kind of has a little bit of a sweeter taste naturally. Um, So being able to mix that with the the vegetables in a pot roast type setup is really good. Um, With dove, super easy to breast them out. So, I mean, you can put those right in a frying pan. Um, You can do a couple things. You can, you literally put them right in a frying pan and fry them right up, you know, with some butter and super tasty. Um, for those, you, you know, who have had dove, dove is, is like a, is like a rich meat. It's almost like a, think very of a dark, beef. very, very yeah, dark, dark meat. meat. Yep. Yep. Think of like a roast beef type, you know, that, that type of, you know, setup. Um, so you can do it right in the frying pan or you can even kind of slice it up. Um, almost like kind of, you know, right off the breast, go ahead and kind of do like little, um, fillets, you know, you really would think of like, like little miniature fillets and kind of do it like that. You can do that, um, cut that up and do it in like a salad. Um, you know, like say saute it up, do it in like a salad. Um, or, you know, if you really kind of went to town and had maybe, maybe you went out there with a group of guys and you got like 50 of them, you know, man, you got a lot of good breasts. And, and at that point, you know, just, just fry them up in the frying pan, you know, and serve them, you know, as you know, kind of the, the meat portion of a meal and you can just, man, cut them right off the breast and you're good to go. So, I mean, those are a couple of my kind of favorite ways to do, you know, the, the squirrels, the rabbits and the doves. Um, if I had to rate them, I would say, you know, rabbits, you know, tastiest, you know, once again, personal opinion, rabbits tastiest to me, dove second tastiest and got that, that darker meat, that kind of rich meat. And then squirrel, you know, definitely uh, stringy, not quite as sweet as, as the rabbit side of things, but definitely the best one to mix in with something else like a pasta. Yeah, great tips, great, great uh, practical ways for anyone who who may be new to this type of hunting. You know, to mm-hmm. bag something and you're kind of wondering what to do. Uh, yes, these, these give you a great place to start, and maybe even you'll like it enough to be like, yeah, there might be other recipes out there, but this is my squirrel <laughs> recipe. You know, that's absolutely <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but um, yeah, just a couple of things I would add in here. Of course, Brandon again has significantly more experience here, and 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 uh, those those uh, tips are, are excellent. I would just say keep, especially for new hunters, uh, experienced hunters that are listening in, they're going to know this already. Just be very thorough checking for pellets, yes. especially yes. if you're going to serve it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, a lot of people have um, a timidness, maybe is the right way to say it, mm-hmm. towards eating game. And yeah. uh, a great way to totally ruin it for them forever <laughs> is to have them break a tooth on <laughs> on a piece of... Uh, yeah, of uh, number yes. five shot, you know. So yes. that's that's. And, and some... I laugh. I laugh because I do work at a dental office. Yeah. Um, you know. So so yep. so we do see those types of things periodically. Yes. And you know when it's amazing. You know, depending on the shot that was made, how close it was, and whatnot. Sometimes you do have to do some pretty in depth 
you know, searching, yeah. you know, due diligence to make sure that right. you're being responsible to get all those things out of there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just, and that, again, that's another advantage too, to like, uh, Brandon talked about shredding the squirrel meat, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. yep, um, yep. generally when I like, when I eat pheasant, I, uh, it's nice to have that <laughs> Norman Rockwell Thanksgiving mm-hmm. dinner picture where, <laughs> you know, grandpa's getting ready to carve up the, the bird and it's in this, per, right. you know, perfect roasting pan or whatever. And, yes. but I've found it's just probably better to kind of shred the, you know, carve it up and, and shred mm-hmm. it up a little bit. And yep. just to make sure, as Brandon said, you're thorough enough because they can get pretty deep in there. And man, yes. the first time you bite on a pellet, you're going to, you're going to know it. And Oh, oh it, it's the it's, worst. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Especially yeah. if it's waterfowl and you got to use the steel mm. shot. <laughs> mm. Yes. Oh, oh man. man. That happened to me that, once. It, yeah. Yeah. That's the memory flashing back right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so just be, I mean, it's avoidable, right? It, yes. it is avoidable. Mm-hmm. If you just mm-hmm. take the time again, patience, right? And yes. so, and so take, the time work through it and you can see when you're cleaning the bird you can see where it was hit and so you just kind of yes. follow those pellet trails into the meat and, that's right and you can kind of work them out and stuff so mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then another thing that i would say just a general thing you're dealing with meat right and we yeah. we may not eat a lot of rabbits squirrels and doves on a regular basis mm-hmm. but you probably eat a lot of pork beef and chicken right yep so yep. Uh, you know, kind of look at the meat and say, uh, oh, this is, you know, kind of like Brandon was saying with, the the, uh, dark meat, you know, you kind of treat it like other dark bird meat or even, yep. even, uh, beef, you know, in some cases you can be like, yeah, this is kind of, this, this meat looks kind of like beef. Okay. I'll, uh, yes. what are my normal beef go-to meals now, instead mm-hmm. of it being beef, mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, uh, it's going to be, we'll say dove, right? So yeah, right. maybe we'll mm-hmm. do, maybe I would normally do shish kebabs on the grill with hunks of beef on there. Well, now we're going to have hunks of dove breast. There you and, go. Absolutely. And, or, um, you know, with, with, uh, the recipe with, uh, the kind of the Italian recipe that Brandon was talking mm-hmm. about, you know, mm-hmm. that would probably normally be chicken that you had on there or, yep. or, um, again, maybe beef, but probably chicken. You know, well, it's not chicken now, it's shredded squirrel meat. And that yeah, that, that works as a perfect substitute. And that, that can kind of help you if you're wondering, because that is part of it. It's like, all right, I've gotten to the, to the point where this thing's in my freezer. How am yeah. I ever going to get to a point now where I'm going to use it? You know, well, think, yeah, of, that's right. think of what it's similar to and what you would normally do. And, and, and again, I'll also echo what Brandon said with the brining. My mm-hmm. wife and I started doing that after I'd seen it recommended by uh, hunting culinary experts many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Brandon is not kidding. Uh, I mean, even even your non-game meat, everyone should brine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. Uh, you can you can look it up online and find uh, good authorities on the subject that'll tell you the right mix of salt to water. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. say maybe you uh, know this better off the top of your head. Uh, Brandon, but I think it's like generally the rule is maybe a tablespoon or is it two tablespoons of salt per quart of water? Yeah, yeah, something yeah, like right. that. I think. Yeah. So, and one thing you know that my wife and I like to do is kind of, kind of um, dress it up a little bit, and so we have a couple of mulberry trees in our yard. There you and, go. And uh, so we'll grab some mulberries and and throw them in with the brine and. And kind of give it, you know, a little fruity uh, hint 
to the yeah to the there brine you go. and mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can add other things in there of course too seasoning wise but yeah that really can that can really dress up the the game nice and and mm-hmm. if you do have someone who gets a little squeamish over the gamey mm-hmm. flavor then that makes it much more mild and so and tender very tender yes yes that's the best part of it is well and and you know what we're blessed to be able to harvest game animals you know we part of you know making it enjoyable as well as making it good you know in terms of taking advantage of of cooking it well and and it's cool to be able to you know part of it part of the 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 first gen side of things too is enjoying some game that maybe you've never had before so you know it's kind of a new adventure you know exploring these things and whatnot so it's kind of cool to not only be able to wow i i harvested an animal and now i get to to enjoy that i get to eat it but to go from that to be able to say wow not only am i able to you know eat it i like love eating it you know so i mean it's pretty cool to get to that point where it's not just you know i know growing up you know early on when you know when when you know just kind of when i was young you know my my parents you know were you know kind of just scraping the bottom of the barrel to get by you know we we you know we're kind of struggling financially you know we 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 didn't do a whole lot with the deer meat that we got in different things you know we just kind of ate it and you know we mixed in with lasagna just did different things what we could but then as you know as they as you know we got older as we all kind of got more experience with things you know now I, i can legitimately say you know my wife makes some killer recipes i mean actually speaking of, of tonight we literally i literally cooked uh deer steaks on the grill tonight and i oh, mean nice they were they were incredible i mean they were i mean i would i would rather have a deer steak than have you know a regular porterhouse i mean it, it was yeah. that good so i mean it's kind of cool to you know you kind of learn as you go you try these different things you know it to to the point where you get to the point where like wow i mean i would rather have this than you know my standard beef or whatever else you know so it's kind of cool to get to that point where you really enjoy it that much yeah definitely that's a big part of it it's very satisfying to mm-hmm. be able to prepare the game that you took out in the field and and kind of bring you know it creates that that unique confluence of of experience and uh enjoyment through dining right you know just that you get kind of almost those flashbacks while you're you're doing that meal prep of what what the hunt was like you know you're telling the story again in your head and maybe even to the people around you you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and you get to relive all of that and so taking the time to really give a good effort in the kitchen and not just in the tree stand yes just makes it that much more sweeter in the end you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. each time you each trip to the the deep freeze to grab another packet of meat is just so satisfying yes yes well and 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 you know part of part of uh, being a responsible hunter is you know eating what you what you you know what you harvest and you know so um if you're preparing that well you're going to do that if you're you know nothing's worse than oh man uh, this is this stuff's been in the freezer for two three years oh i guess i gotta throw it away right. i mean that's you know that's really sad because you know wow you know part of the respect that we have for the the animals that we harvest is by you know hey i'm gonna be responsible i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy that you know because that's that's what the good lord has provided so the opportunity to really follow through on that and enjoy it is important um and because we don't you know we don't want to ever waste you know what's being provided so it's important right. to enjoy it 
Right. Yeah. And that's another thing to do some research on is, you know, how, what's the best way to pack this stuff for long-term storage mm -hmm. and, yes. and, you know, you can kind of help save some of those unfortunate situations that Brandon just talked mm -hmm. about, which are quite mm -hmm. common with hunters and, and anglers. Yes. So. Yes. Okay. Well, to uh, close things out tonight, I thought it'd be kind of fun to just for a minute or two here, talk about uh, any unusual game species um, that that uh, you know of in your state that people mm -hmm. do hunt or can hunt. There's a season mm -hmm. for it, at least to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, here in Iowa, kind of, again, going with this idea of forgotten species, mm -hmm. um, you can hunt, I believe they are called Hungarian partridge. Mm -hmm. And I did some reading on this, and the author had said that, that he had done it, and it was extremely difficult. I believe they're they're quite uh uh I guess is the term leery or, or wary or mm -hmm. wary, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh they're just really, you know, kind of almost nervous birds and mm -hmm. and uh pretty pretty tough critters to hunt. So uh I would like to try that at some point. Um yeah. they're in pretty narrow ranges in the state I think where you go to hunt. I think it's kind of in the northern part of Iowa. Okay. And, um, but yeah, there's that. Crows are a common species, I think, in most states that you're allowed to hunt. I do not personally know anybody who hunts crow. Yeah. Um, they make crow decoys and stuff like that. Wow. And, and crows, I've do heard people eat them. Yeah, people people will eat them. Yep. Wow. And, wow. Yeah, and. I've actually heard that crows are incredibly intelligent birds, and mm. so um, might even be you know a real thrill to to do. Yeah, um, that's that's something to look into. And then yeah. here in uh, these birds uh, can be found throughout the Midwest, uh, and that would be woodcock. Um, wow, they're a ground nesting bird. I believe mm -hmm. they're technically kind of a semi-aquatic bird, so they they mm. kind of like uh, more moisture than than you mm -hmm. know your pheasants or quail or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I actually always run into them when I'm shed hunting. Every year I, I oh, stumble cool. into yeah. a, a few woodcock down on the ground. In fact, Jonas and I, when we were looking out at my grandparents' uh, house for sheds this spring, he ran into one thought it was pretty cool so that's really that's pretty yeah. neat yeah so uh i believe there's like a three-day window on those and and i you know because it's such a tight window there i would imagine that that even fluxes from year yeah. to year based on how the population surveys come back mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what about over there in uh, your neck of the woods and well, yeah. I mean, kind of, you know, I hate to kind of branch out from the, the, the small game side of things. It's kind of like unique um, because, you know, on the – Delaware is not known for, you know, having a lot of unusual species. But one of the things that's popular um, in Delaware is snapping turtle. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. Sure. Um, there's actually a specific season in the spring for, for snapping turtle. Uh, and so my dad, I, I've never personally, I've had, I've come in close contact with some giant <laughs> snapping turtles. Nice. Um, but my dad, when he was younger, he actually would, he would actually hunt for them. Okay. And uh, he said that snapping, snapping turtle stew is... Like he said, it's unbelievable. So, I mean, I, at some point I would love to try something yeah. like that. 
Um, and then, you know, another, uh, uh, you know, thing that was really big, it still is big in, in some circles. I've not, I've not done it, although I would, part of me is really kind of curious to do it is, um, frog gigging. Oh um, yeah. And, yep. and I mean, my dad did that growing up where they would go out with, you know, lights and at night and they would, you yep. know, and, and, you know, love the, I've had frog legs, but I've, I've never had the the opportunity to go out and, and, you know, get them myself. But I mean, that's kind of a, another kind of unique thing. That's, that's pretty popular in the area as well. Sure. Sure. Yep. Um, and, and again, with any of these, you know, species, uh, make sure you always check the regs find mm-hmm. obviously, yep. is there a season or is it perpetual? You know, they're, they're just not, this particular species isn't even really mm-hmm. dealt with by the DNR or, or mm-hmm. uh, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks or whatever state agency you have that deals with wildlife in your state. Uh, but but um, make sure you know know the the rules around what you're hunting and um, uh, kind of have something in mind too before beforehand what you're going to use it for. And mm-hmm. and uh, we went through that you know where you don't just want to kill to kill you want to you want to make sure you're going to do your best to get uh, some kind of uh, um, enjoyment out of it through yeah using it as food whether it be for yourself or someone giving it to somebody that you know will use it even if you're not going to so well said um, you you want to you want to keep all of that in mind when you go into hunting any kind of new species but mm-hmm. but especially with some of these unusual ones where there's it could be really easy to have things mixed up and yes and uh you know find yourself in kind of a bad situation so mm-hmm. well Brandon we've probably uh worn everybody's ears out so far right (laughs) hey you know what it's good because you know what as uh, we we love for people to enjoy all facets of hunting and yeah so it's as i know kent's mentioned before you know yes we might really love a certain type of hunting but you know what all hunting is is just an awesome opportunity to learn to grow and you know one thing that i've really enjoyed being able to have the opportunity to do over the years is to be a well-rounded hunter in the sense of you know it hey you know it might might kind of focus on one particular thing but to be able to have the knowledge and the know-how and the ability to get out there and to do these other things you know because you know being an outdoorsman and and being someone who can go and and harvest your your own meat and and do these things that's that's a skill that's a that's yes. a you know something that 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 is is you know that you learn that you can grow in and and just like someone may be good at you know carpentry you know uh, someone can be great at being an outdoorsman and being able to 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 you know harvest you know uh, their their own game and 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 you know to supply food for the family and yeah, these types 100%. of things. And so very a very useful thing you know and and kind of interestingly as we've been you know been talking about in this world now that we're living in um, where there's been a greater interest and you know so as people see like wow. Maybe, you know, maybe there's it's not always going to be available at the supermarket down the road. You know, maybe, wow, maybe I need to start thinking about more of this stuff, you know, as 
hunters, you know, wow, these, you know, we have a leg up in, in, in terms of our ability to, to, you know, have this knowledge and to grow and to be able to supply for our families. Um, and you know what, wow, to be able to not just do that, but to have fun while we're doing it, to enjoy the brotherhood, the sisterhood, to enjoy different kinds of hunting, you know, depending on the season, you know, you know, it could be spring, man. Wow. Hey, maybe you've got a spring turkey season, man. You can enjoy it, man. It might be, it might be September, man. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily feel like going and sitting in a deer stand at 95 <laughs> yep. degrees, yep. you know, but Hey man, I'll go, I'll go walk through a, a cornfield, you know, in my flip flops and, and, <laughs> and yep. my shorts and, and hunt for some dove, you know, I right. mean, there's, there's, a, there's a season, you know, every, different times of the year for everyone to enjoy. And, you know, there's some hunters out there, man, you know what, maybe they're just into the small game, man. Hey, that's okay. That's good. Hey, yeah. enjoy that. You know what? Maybe that's what, what you do. Maybe that's what your time allows for you, man, all the more power to you. You know, we're, we're in favor of anyone who wants to get out there and enjoy the great outdoors and, and, and we you know whatever you can do. You know what? The biggest thing is be safe, enjoy it, have fun. You know, it, sometimes it's easy to take things so serious that we don't have fun in it. Um, and, you know, I think one of, that's one of the challenges for those of us who have been in it for a long time. Sometimes, you know, and we've talked about this before, it can become so much about, man, how many did you get? Or, yeah. man, how big was that rack? Yep. Or, you know, but at the end of the day, that's a that's really a small and less and much, much more, you know, less important facet of things when you're talking about having fun, supplying for your family, those types of things. Those are the things that are really important. The fellowship that you have with others out there, you know, those things are what really, and I think Kent has really hit on this before. Those are the types of things that really dictate true success and true fun. Not so much those other things that, you know, many times, and I know we'll probably talk about this in a future episode, many times the, the fantastical world of the media and, and you know, the, the Hollywood side of hunting and things like that. Looking forward to kind of exploring that yeah. maybe in a future yeah. episode that, you know, sometimes um, it doesn't always match the reality. And so yep. we're here to be kind of normal guys giving you the real reality and to say, man, it's fun to jump in, have fun, enjoy it. And, you know, we're, we're glad that you're along for the ride with us. I couldn't say it better myself, my friend. That is, <laughs> that is 100% what not just first-gen hunters need to hear, but long-time hunters need to be reminded uh -huh. of. With that, let's put a bow on it, and uh, yes, we're going we're gonna to close this one off. Thank you again, Brandon, for hopping on. And, my pleasure. Yeah, man. And uh, please, uh, if you're listening in, um, next time you have a chance to so if you're driving down the road right now don't do it don't do it <laughs> some sad sack was driving down my road this week and i don't know if he was texting or what but he was driving a u-haul rental pickup truck oh, oh no hit the telephone pole oh. and he, thankfully he was okay and everything but oh. uh totaled the truck knocked the power oh. out for the entire street for about three hours and oh man and, uh yeah and you know <laughs> just a reminder don't be a distracted driver so when you are in a safe location to do this yes get on your uh cell phone or your computer or whatever you use to uh -huh. surf the web look up the huntfishlife.com and then of course for more resources for first gen hunter go to firstgenhunter.com and just take in as much helpful information as as you can but also it's not all about uh -huh. just serious learning and 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 growing you know hopefully you'll find some stuff that just entertains you and sure makes you uh enjoy being a part of that hunter outdoorsman sportsman hunter angler whatever you want to call it lifestyle 
Mm-hmm. But thank you again, Brandon, and thank mm-hmm. you everyone for for taking the time to tune in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. After recording this episode, I am super excited to start stumbling around the timber looking for squirrels and holding down a chair with some dove decoys waiting for the birds to fly by. I can almost taste the delicious game now. It's good to remember that all game is worth pursuing and the experiences we take from those times will last us a lifetime. This was another great pile of information provided by Brandon. A big thank you to him for lending his time and decades of expertise to all of us. We can all thank him by searching out Hunt Fish Life on Facebook and Instagram, which are linked on his team's website, thehuntfishlife.com. And, as always, head to firstgenhunter.com where you will find links to the First Gen Hunter Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Go Wild pages, as well as all sorts of other really helpful information including the article mentioned in this episode. Otherwise, spend your time sighting in those small game firearms, and above all, take care and take someone hunting. <laughs>